welcome to the Mijos Podcast, a show dedicated to amplifying male voices on society and culture from the Latino perspective. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mijos Podcast. Uh, it's your host, Victor Arias, I'm back again with Luis Galilei, El Papi. You already snow. Uh, we're excited, <laughs> excited to be back um, and to welcome our special guest, Andrew Kippen. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> Uh, we've got a little fanfare for Andrew. Andrew is a longtime and close personal friend of mine. We knew each other back in Dallas, um, in high school actually, but both live in Brooklyn now. Um, Andrew has an amazing story. He is currently a certified hypnotherapist, healer, and guide. Um, he's also the founder of The Subconscious Way. You can find out more about that at subconsciousway.com. He's also the head of product for Everyman, which is a group dedicated to helping men connect and helping each other lead more successful, fulfilling lives. So we have Andrew here to talk about a couple of topics that are very popular in the news and in the media, um, particularly, particularly wellness. Um, I think uh, Luis and I see this all the time uh, as PR professionals. It's it's something that brands actually want to um, get into more as well. Um, but Andrew, I think where I want to start is, you know, unpacking the definition of wellness. I think for us, um, we find that it's kind of interpreted to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So maybe we can start with how do you define it? How would you define wellness as somebody who's a professional in that space? How is, what's kind of a good um, way to define what wellness means today? Yeah, so first, thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Um, when you say my biography like that, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully over the, over the span of this podcast, we'll start to unravel that and tie it back together. And, um, you know, for me, wellness, when I think about really good wellness, I think about vitality. Okay. I think about like, what, what does it mean for each of us to be vital, to feel vital, to have energy, to have passions, to have desires, and to be healthy, mm -hmm. right? And I think the, the way that corporations and most of our, our society views wellness is really just a reaction to our culture and the expectations that it sets and the, the damage that it causes us, right? Mm -hmm. So if we look at advertising, you know, advertising is constantly telling us we're not good enough, we don't have everything that we need, buy XYZ to get it. Um, it's telling us that we're too fat. It's telling us that we're not attractive enough. It's telling us that we're not smart enough. It's telling us all these things. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's also asking so much of us. It's yeah. saying, you're not productive enough. Um, get this, you know, like you should be doing, doing more with your time. You should somehow cram in. 10 to 12 hours worth of work every day and look after the kids and take care of yourself and also paint and learn to play guitar <laughs> all at the same time, right? Yep. And really what wellness is, is knowing, um, I mean, I, I love this definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to unlearn. 
Interesting. Right? And so in, in that kind of frame, wellness is really having unlearned all of the things that you need to to feel good about your life and about yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, and I think that's spot on. So you talk about kind of wellness as a reaction to modern society's expectation of everybody. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of those expectations are dictated by technology. The fact that we have to adapt so quickly to uh, technological advances. We always have to be connected. Mm. We have to like curate everything online. In our, our digital lives are almost more, we put more time on our digital lives than we do in our real lives sometimes, Ooh. right? Yeah. And so. I mean, some, and, and to that point, wellness is really the things that we would naturally be doing right. if we didn't have jobs. Yeah. Right, it's, it's like spending time with one another, relaxing, resting, having fun, yeah. playing, exploring. Eating things that don't make you feel like shit. Eating yeah. things that don't, yeah. you know, eating raw. Yeah, eating, eating raw, yeah. All of these things, right? So wellness is, is like kind of trying to get us back to that inside of a system yeah. that prevents it. Interesting. So I started to eat raw mushrooms because I heard they're really good for you and I didn't know. <laughs> that when you saute the mushroom, I should have known, right? You apply heat to anything, it like takes away some of the nutrients that it could have, right? Because heat, okay. whatever. But so you're I a scientist now. You, you know this. <laughs> I'm certified in whatever I talk about. <laughs> um, no, but I, I have, because I'm, I'm really into like third eye stuff. Yeah. And I'm into, so yeah, I heard this subconscious thing. I, I'm into like conscious mind things. And I like, I've read Edgar Toll's book. Are we and gonna get into the Akashic Records here? Like, how it, deep are we going? It might go deep, though. Louise. It might go Let's deep. go. <laughs> Spark uh, the sour diesel we have. Um, <laughs> no, but they told me to like start eating raw, and I was like, okay, it's something. It's so funny. I have. I, I was talking to Victor about this before. Our cultures have been eating raw for a long time, mm. but we just and they always had value of what comes from the dirt, right? And and what is then ingested. But like because of our training and because of society and because of so many things, we want we want the sautéed cream of mushroom from Carbone because it looks great on IG, but not knowing that just pick up a mushroom from Trader Joe's and pop that bad boy in and you good. Even though it tastes like dirt, though I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta wash the mushrooms first. No, then. no, no, no. <laughs> then you're letting then you're letting big water get into your shit. Oh god, oh, big water. You gotta have the soil. That's tough. But yeah, I started to eat raw, and it could be just like a placebo effect. But I'm like, okay, this, I, I feel like I'm doing better in the morning, just like eating raw things, alive things, fruits, vegetables. Mm. Bef- what what type of mushrooms are we talking here? Organic mushrooms? <laughs> no, dog. <laughs> they're not steroid-filled mushrooms. They're not these big, muscular mushrooms. They're these just—they say organic on it, and yeah. they're from Trader okay. Joe's. They're either portobellas, port- okay. portobellas, portobellas, portobella, yeah. portobellas yeah. or some like shiitake, maybe. Ooh, so, nice. so like this is this is interesting because so Luis is talking about well, both of y'all have talked about like getting back to kind of like the roots of way of life like yeah. living and stuff and we've talked about you know Luis having family still in Peru and mm-hmm. like some of my ancestry goes back to Mexico and things like this that there's a lot of co-opting of like indigenous culture and even like the ways of healing yeah so even talking about just like eating raw or having more of a connection to the earth and respecting it and all these things um, 
how is it that like do you feel do you ever think about things like this knowing that like wellness is blown up as like an industry mm. but and it, and there's a lot of connective tissue to indigenous cultures and like uh, sacred healing and all this but yet like our like our people or like just minorities in general don't really have equity in that modern commercialization of wellness anymore mm. do you think that that's true do you think that it's ever gonna like go truly go back to the roots of like what it was meant to be or do you think that like we're kind of beyond that it's gonna be something different um, there's a couple things that come up for me. So one is for me to identify I'm a straight, white, cisgender, heterosexual male, right? Like, oh, damn. Turn the podcast on. <laughs> <laughs> Shut <laughs> this down. <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know, I swear. <laughs> oh, now that he took off the ski mask that he had on, yeah. <laughs> I present as a Latino man. <laughs> clearly. clearly. could be Argentinian. That's saying. true. That's yeah. true. Um, and so I, I have a, you know, I, I want to acknowledge my privilege there and, and speak to a couple of different layers. So one is on the practical layer of like, does the person that you're going to know what the hell they're doing? Right. Right? Like yeah. okay. the person who learned how to administer, you know, who went down to Peru and did ayahuasca and was like, I want to do this. I'm going to become a shaman and did the one week become a shaman course. And they're that done. That you sign up on online, online, online. of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Pre, uh, pre-approved credit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, and there are some real dangers, and there's situations that come mm-hmm. up as you're doing that work that require an expertise and require really mentorship. Yeah. Like is is what we're talking about for for gringos or people who are not indigenous who are who are right. performing these rites. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on that level, it's like a safety, like, do you actually know what you're doing, yeah. right? On the second level, um, I would argue that a lot of these indigenous practices are becoming in vogue and that the, the originators may not be seeing, you know, the huge slice of wellness pie that's here in the U.S., mm-hmm. but there's definitely tons of people going to Peru to do ayahuasca with the Shipibo, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there are, there are certain cultures, certain practitioners that I think are really benefiting from this trend. And it's those who, who know how to market themselves. Absolutely. Or who offer like such an amazing yeah. experience that people come back and they, and they share yeah. via word of mouth. Um, the third layer for me, so certainly there's more that those people could benefit. Right. Um, and, I, and I think that's part of, of what's important for people of privilege just being Americans, being educated, being, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we're yeah. there to lift them up in the same way that they lifted us up mm-hmm. um, with the, the healing arts. And then the third piece is at a, at a gross, like, human level. Like, I'm, I'm kind of for spread that everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, if somebody needs the medicine, give it to them. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me where it comes from as long as we have respect for that source. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And... Um, and as long as people are doing good work, like let's get everybody out of survival mode and into a place where they feel vital and where they feel well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. Uh, so kind of keeping on the on some of the cultural nuances of, of some of this, like, um, and we'll get into your background too because I think that's also an interesting story, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew, about how you know you started in tech and kind of got a little burnt out and. Uh, you had a profound experience through healing and now that's something that you do professionally 
But before we get into that, um, kind of, you know, fast forwarding, you've recently been leading group uh, therapy sessions for men in the New York area, right? Um, and there was even a great GQ article about it. GQ's been talking a lot about masculinity mm -hmm. for the past year. Or yeah, they just woke up. They just woke <laughs> up, right, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so Luis and I were, were reading it, and then like we read it separately, and then we came together and started talking about it. And Luis had like some really funny, um, some, some observations about it, right? Um, I don't know if you want to talk yeah, a little sure. bit about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Tell us about it. Is, yeah. Listen, let me, let, me, let me first identify as um, <laughs> old English font. Uh, no, okay. I am for anything that's getting men in, in, a, in a setting where they can be vulnerable with each other and literally just talk about the things that are, one, upsetting them, and two, making them uh, sad. Yeah. That is a big thing for me. I always... I got this femme energy to me, and I always have it with with my like with my bros and stuff like that. Like I want to hug them, I want to kiss them, I want to be like, "Yo, tell me you love me, or I will fuck you up." <laughs> Basically, he that's a perfect said, balance of masculinity. Yeah, you heard, <laughs> you, yeah, you heard that the it was almost like a beautiful toxicness to what right. I said. Um, he makes them. He'll be like, "I didn't hear you say it back." Yeah, I'll, say be, it back. I'll be say it louder. The, I'll be on the phone. I'll be like, "All right, man, love you." Say it. I'll be like, "Come on, bro, say it." Love you. Okay, cool. This is some shit my mom taught me. But I, I love that thing, uh, the everyman thing. And that is that specifically, because um, I'd read a couple lines, a couple of sub headlines, and then I read some of, I skimmed through the paragraphs. Millennial. Um, I know, millennial. Uh, you should have made it in video form. Uh, like I said, GQ just woke up. And um, no, but is it only, uh, how big are the groups? And, and how do these men find the, the group? So typically groups are anywhere between four and ten guys. I love that. And uh, guys find it by word of mouth. They come to a retreat or an expedition cool. with us, and and they just get hooked. Okay. And then they go back and they recruit their friends. Cool. And the group's totally free. Okay, that's even better. Yeah. It's kind of like my comedy, free. Yeah. Um, so... It's interesting to me because that's great. Word of mouth is great. I feel like men, when it comes to things that make them vulnerable, they, yeah. they need their boy to tell them. Totally. Yeah. And tell them repeatedly or basically beg them to go. Now, the couple funny things that I saw, and, and, I, and I saw my own training come out and flare out. Ooh. Like, like toxic masculine herpes. They flare. <laughs> and I'm pretty, I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty saved. Isn't he great? Um... <laughs> But hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, he's great, Amen. Joel Holstein. Um, no, I'm I'm pretty good with this because this is something that me and Victor talk about all the time. But I saw some of my training flare out, and I saw some of the pictures. Right, mm. very millennial of me to look at the pictures first. And there was a guy holding his chest and very like I'm not good with vocabulary, but he was like bent over, his eyes were squeezed in, and he was crying. And the first thing that came to my mind was, what's this bitch shit? I don't understand what, how does it? And then I was like, no, 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 what are you talking about, right? Because I don't even know what it is to look at a man cry, right? Right. So I don't know. I've seen a woman cry. I've seen myself cry. But when I cry, I don't scream. I don't let my eyes scream down like, like I'm a kid. So I saw it and I saw my training hit me in the, in the side almost like, like a reminder. 
Was this like, your masculinity training? Or? Like my mas- okay. my machismo was machismo. like, oh, okay. like why is he crying like that? Yeah, like that, like there, like <laughs> puta. <laughs> but like, why is there even a way to cry, mm. right? And then I saw like uh, you know some guys with some uh, some shorter length sweat shorts. Uh, and a sh- sh- shorter, shorter length olive. What it's above to, the knee. Above the knee. Above the knee. Listen, Were they chubbies? They Could might have been chubby. I don't know. But listen, above shout the out knee, to our sponsor, chubbies. Ch- chubbies, <laughs> chubbies. You're freeing the knees across. Future the, sponsor. Um, but they had above the knee shorts, which is like I think above the knee shorts look good. But it was just like there was two knees touching. Mm, right. Automatically, I jumped to ha ha ha. That's weird. <laughs> which is dumb. Which is dumb. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? The way I'm reacting right now, I'm good. I got past that. But then I started to think about it and I brought it up to Victor. And I was like, yeah. this is the type of thing that will turn off a masculine, quote unquote, masculine dude yeah. that may be thinking about finding a group, finding someone outside their friends. Because it's very interesting. I have, I have a couple friends that actually started to talk to people outside of their best friend group first because they were embarrassed to do it with their friends. Mm. It makes sense when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. But I started to see that, and I was like, I wonder, um, and I made this analogy, I was like, we're all sick. Yep. We're yep. all sick. Some people are on their way to the doctor, though. So they have initiative. So sometimes I feel like we need to start thinking about the, the dude that keeps saying, no, no, I'm good, man, I'm good, I'm healthy. Yeah, I'll make a doctor's appointment. Yeah, eventually. No, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And he's not even like, I'm not stepping foot near the doctor. Um, and I feel like some of these things are very geared to very open men. Like, yeah. to me, when you say focus group of men feelings, I'm in. Mm. Right there. But there, there's other people, there's other men that still have strong training in them that, like, it, it may flare up. But for me, it was a flare up. And I'm like, yo, I'm not like that. Right, it yeah. was just societal training, but there's a couple of flare-ups that'll be like, "Nah, this is gay," sure. or, or, or "Nah, this is sissy shit," or "Nah, I don't got time for this." So it started to make me think. I was like, "How do we make this better for the ones that are really suffering from it, which are like the quote-unquote douchebag bros of our society?" There's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the way you're looking at me makes me know that you listen to me, even yeah. though I went off on my shit. <laughs> um, so let me, let's speak to the to the bigger epidemic, right? Yeah, so definitely. one in three men feel lonely, like report feeling Facts. lonely. Mm-hmm. 57% of guys would not reach out for professional help if yeah. they were suffering, yeah. right? And one in five suffer from alcohol dependence. We won't call them alcoholics, but like they're turning to alcohol to numb out the emotions that they don't want to feel, mm-hmm. right? So those statistics alone are staggering. Yeah. If you think about the amount of men who are in prison, the amount of men who commit violent crimes, and the amount of men who commit suicide, and you look at it compared to women, right. it's massively in our yeah. favor, right? It's like 92% of incarcerated people are male. Yeah. Um, so there's there's something in our society mm-hmm. that is creating those issues, and it's not you know it's not that those guys were born bad. Um, it's that they have that programming in them that's like, I can't talk to somebody. I gotta figure out a way through this on my own. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm going to use alcohol. I'm going to use fighting. I'm going to use anger. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use violence as my tool mm -hmm. to make it through the day because yeah. that's what society has told me I can do. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you like so great, like gracefully identified your biases yeah. and we're like, oh, look at that. <laughs> like, I think that's gay. Right. Right. And, and I remember being a kid. I went to an all boys Catholic school mm -hmm. and was like, being gay was probably not, it wasn't spoken like this, but it was like probably one of the scariest things I could think of being outwardly gay in high school. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. With and all guys. With all yeah. guys, yeah. tons of jocks, yeah. and just being like, you know, everything in that time in the 90s, it was like, oh, that shit's gay. Also mm -hmm. in Texas. In Texas. Yeah. Texas right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, grew, I grew up in an urban hood environment. So, like, Anything that was weird was gay. Right. Just used the right. word gay for anything. For right? everything. Yeah. But and I and I use that word because a lot of men use it to describe things, and and I don't shy away from seeing it within myself. Sometimes I consider myself progressive or or, yeah. or whatever that really means. I'm open to everyone, and I have many friends from many different groups. But sometimes I do see myself reacting the old way, and it's like good to bring that up because if not, you're not gonna get it out of you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and you and you gotta you've got to be able to recognize it to heal it, mm -hmm. right? To mm -hmm. overcome it. And so, one of the things I wanted to touch on um, that you that you shared is a lot of guys need to um, we need to do something to connect with each other. Yeah. Right. So women can just talk on the phone and feel connected. As guys, we got to do something. Yeah. Right. If your if your buddy is like calling you up and being like, "Hey, man." What's going on? I'm like, this is the most annoying conversation ever. What do you need? What do you want, bro? What can I help you fix? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. I've trained my white friends so well that now, like literally, I could show you the text. One of my white friends, Michigan dude, in his 30s, completely was cold to the world after me. He goes, Denny's this week? <laughs> Denny's. Denny's. Denny's, Denny's. I'm proud of that shit. Wow. Now, because even, I remember even the first time we had dinner like that. He's another, he's a fellow comedian. Yeah. We sat down, just me and him. And it was funny because it was like a nice little Mexican place in Brooklyn, whatever. Candle lit. Ooh. Sexy light. He was nice. like, bro, I'm at, I, I, I weirdly feel uncomfortable and I'm, I literally looked at him as because, because your family never taught you that doing this with another straight man is fine yeah it's okay yeah and we talked for three hours dog I wanted to leave after two but I was like <laughs> three hours and he was just talking about things that literally you sit down with a guy for more than 30 minutes I think at minute 31 he will start to pour out totally yeah but I, we, but society has been like, oh yeah, it's mad weird to sit across your straight friend in a dim light setting. Yeah, so crazy. So I, I have a question for you, for both of you guys. Um, so Andrew leads a lot of these um, retreats, right? Obviously, like five to ten people. Um, so the retreats are like sixty. Oh, the retreats are sixty. Yeah, Sorry, the, are the groups are five to ten. So these are these big retreats, and sometimes they're like upstate in on like farms and mm -hmm. all this stuff. They sound amazing. Like we, we may need to go. You guys got to come yeah. down. Yeah. Um, so, and I was listening to the Everyman podcast with Andrew on it. It was only it only came out a few weeks ago, um, and uh, Dan was talking about how great of a facilitator 
uh, Andrew is and gets a lot out of people and all that. It made me think, um, who would your Mount Rushmore be? Who would your top four guys that you would want to help you lead a retreat with other men be? Oh, they could wow. be they could be comedians. They could be funny. Like who would be who if you had to lead if you had to lead a retreat with dudes, okay, and like have an emotional connection. It's kind of like that question of like who would you want at your dinner table? Everyone's always like Jesus yeah. and somebody you know dead whatever, or alive. Yeah, whatever dead or alive yeah. yeah yeah dead or alive. Oh, are we doing dead or alive or alive? I think we can do. I'd rather keep it alive. I think yeah. you guys can okay. pick four people alive. Yeah. But this is kind of like, this goes to our recurring segment of Loteria, which is you pick four things mm. in a row. So this is our Loteria of who would be the top four dudes you would want to help you lead a men's retreat. And this is off the cuff. Right. Get a, a little bit to, to think on it. Or if you guys want to just riff and do one, pick one, pick one. Who wants to start? I mean, I have my four. You got your go, four? Okay, go, Andrew, go, go ahead. Who are your top four? I, I do this for a living, <laughs> so I know. Like, uh, me, <laughs> yeah, me, 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 and me. Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. So four people. Dan Doty, who's one okay. of the co-founders of Every Man. Love okay. it. He is a, he's just, he's he's all of the archetypes of a man. Love it. You know, he can, he can be that warrior spirit and he can be really soft in the big teddy bear. Okay. Um, second up is Aaron Blaine, who I met through every man. And Aaron is former special forces, green beret. Oh, um, shit. he's a, he's a fucking badass with a huge heart and he can make friends with anyone in under 30 seconds. Love it. Um, he kind of reminds me of Luis. A little yeah. yeah. I got fucking green beret. In <laughs> 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 um, third would be one of my best friends, Esteban Gast, who's down in L.A. He's a comedian and he's a teacher. And um, he worked on the, I don't know if you guys have seen, the Justin Baldoni TED Talk on manliness. Mm -mm. Oh, I need to watch. We'll, we'll have to check it out. Okay, so so that, that was like a, a really big moment in culture like a year or two ago when it came out. And um, Esteban worked on that. And he's just somebody who's very with it. Um, I think he's Colombian and he's just hilarious. He's like one of the people that I feel safest with nice. when I'm in the room and I'm also laughing constantly. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, I think President Obama. Yeah. You know, Obama. just yes. calling the big guns. Nice. I love it. See some dance moves. Yeah. Uh, get to experience some of his wisdom. He's, he's my wild card spot. I love that. Yeah. That's a great list. Obama That's like should, real. Obama should be like, well, Stop being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> There's some joke about like Obama's like fake and behind the scenes he's like, yo, all these bitches are always <laughs> on my no. top four for me. That's I, I did see a trend there though, right? And it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the GQ article, right? Mm. I feel like for the general man to like, you know, quotation air quotes around general to like be able to do something like that, they almost have to feel in a presence of a man who could low-key dominate them. Yeah. Because if not, I feel like sometimes our animal instinct will be like, yeah, but I could, in our, in our blood, in our genes, I could fuck this dude up, though. Which is bad. But I'm saying, like, we just said Green Beret energy. We said bear, but cuddly. Yeah. But still bear, though. Yeah. Um, and then we said funny. Humor is big with men. Mm -hmm. Funny, safe. And then we said, what was the last one? Obama. Obama. Obama well spoken, 
Yeah. Good posture. You can't lead a masculine retreat with bad posture. Did you just did you just say an African American man was well spoken? Oh no, that's against the rules. Oh dog. shit, white culture is gonna cancel me. Yeah. Um, no, but but like it's. I think it's important, and I know, and I know you know this. It's like those are our triggers, though. Totally. You know what I mean? I I for example, I gotta bring, I gotta bring the Rock mm. because yeah. he's gonna have enough test. To fucking overpower whatever. That's right? that alpha, alpha. That's the yeah. alpha, and he's bald. We need bald people. Okay. <laughs> we we talk about how we don't have. There's a lack of bald icons for us to to emulate. Yeah, we don't we Ooh. don't got that many bald icons. Latino Latino bald icons even worse. Ooh. There are bald icons. Don't get me wrong, but there's the not guy that from many. NYPD Blue. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm pulling. Wait, I'm struggling here. I know you we, start we to did think it, about it. We and did. You have we no did idea. an episode on it. I'll okay. send it to you. All right. Okay, so we got the Rock, and I think we need gay energy. Mm-hmm. Love it. I need a flamboyant gay man uh, to tell me that I don't moisturize correctly. Ooh. Um, who's the dude from? I love him. Long hair, beard. Queer eye. Queer eye. Uh, what's his name? I can't remember his God name, but I know it. who you're talking about. Wait, yeah. hold on. We need this queer eye. The guy who does the hair. Yeah, he has long hair. I mean, he's... The one that was hanging out with AOC? Yeah, he's extremely popular. Uh, Jonathan Van Ness. Yeah, I love Van him. Ness. I think Van Ness is great. Um, who else would I have in there? Who else would I have in there as far as like... Oh, man. I just had a. I just had somebody pop into my mind. Yeah? Oh, share. Share for the... For RuPaul. This. RuPaul, RuPaul. RuPaul would come in with some mad drag queen energy. Drag energy is much needed in the male yeah, community. Totally. Yeah. Like it's a straight male community, you need it. Um, damn, after that, like The Rock, okay, I, I love RuPaul, um, Jonathan Van Ness. I really, I, I was raised by just my mother, mm-hmm. so I truly think sometimes you need a woman, but it, it doesn't serve the purpose for this retreat, I think, right? Yeah. Especially when it would be like one woman and I think sixty it was, men. It might like muddy the Yeah, the, it might yeah. it might muddy the water. I did one with Esther Perel. Who's and, that? Uh, oh she's an amazing relationship expert. Oh love her. You should definitely check out her stuff. <laughs> love her. You might already. need her professionally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might need her professionally. Yeah. Um, who else would Okay, it be? so we got The Rock, we got Jonathan Van Ness. Yeah, I think um, someone, and it's just because I there's not that many Latinos out there doing mm-hmm. their thing. I would like to have, I think t- for me, my wild card is Oscar Isaac. Ooh, I, tell me about him. He he's a um, Honduran or Guatemalan actor. Yeah, I think he's Guatemalan. He's been in the new Star Wars movies. Yeah, he's, he's kind of he's, some of the, he's played some leads in Star Wars, and he's like coming up on totally. Yeah that new but he's very much like conventionally beautiful he's conventionally hot like cheekbones fucking good hair which I'm like alright dude get out of here um, but he I've heard him speak a couple times in interviews and he's personable he's well spoken um, and he has some He he's like in tune with his culture yeah. uh, but is also grown up American yeah. So he's Honduran American or whatever he's Guatemalan American. So I think I need that personally, so that I can relate on a level like yes, we grew up Latino or Latinx, but we grew up listening to Wu Tang. We don't necessarily listen to salsa all the time. And then who's my number four? Like out of nowhere, number four. Oh man. Um. I mean, Kippen picked Obama, man. You can go huge here, you know. Yeah, but I don't be thinking about dudes like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Were you gonna say like Kodak Black or something? No, no, sure. no, hell no. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, yo, put uh Tom Brady in that mix. I want him to talk to me about kissing his kids and the lips for more than 15 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? Yeah. Is that a thing? He's yeah, yeah he'd be he lingering. Yeah. Um, no, it's fine. Listen, parent your kids how you want. No, ah, man. Who do I need in there? I need an Afro Latina. I don't care. I, I love that. I need an Afro Latina. To... Think on it, cause I want to hear what Kippen's add-on is. Okay. Real quick. Well, he had he had RuPaul. Oh yeah, was RuPaul. that was that it? Um, I would if we were gonna. There was somebody else who came to mind. Um, you know, if 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 we're going deep in the masculinity bench, mm-hmm. um, David Data, who David wrote Data. The Way of the Superior Man. He's like a men's sexuality coach Ooh. and oh, wow. spiritual teacher that's been around for the past 20, 20 years. Bald. Bald. Yeah. yeah. You're going to save so much money on this Mount Rushmore carving. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's true. Right? It's so, true. Much, so much simpler. <laughs> we didn't make budget, so we only got bald dudes. <laughs> we, we forgot the hair. We, we couldn't can't chisel for the hair out. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I love, Just, I love okay, being that's, efficient that's awesome. here. Um, this this is awesome. I love so it. so. Ahead, yeah, I want to I want to touch on one thing, which is you started talking about the energy that people bring, right? And yeah. and we started talking about like mm-hmm. the alpha alpha energy and the drag queen energy and the LGBTQIA energy, big energy dude here, right? And um and that's a lot of what we see is so healing at the Everyman retreats mm. is that when you get a guy who's from the LGBTQ community. And he sits in a room, and, and right now, to be honest, we are mostly white cisgendered men. We're working on that with diversity scholarships. I mean, one, one of the bigger demos that needs help, though. Totally. I mean, it's definitely yeah. all totally. of us, but yeah. So what, what it means to have a man of color or a man who's from, who identifies as LGBTQ um, sit in that room and realize all the stories that he's bringing Mm-hmm. to the room about what it means for him to be there mm-hmm. is so healing for them. I can only imagine. Because they sit in a room with all these white guys who for a lot of their life have been the oppressor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they go, wait a minute, all these guys just love me. Like they just care about me and they want the best for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one who's making it about that. Yep. And that's so that's healing for them. And mm-hmm. it's so healing for the rest of the men to be able to give that to them. And, and I think it starts to speak to some of the bias where they can really check in with themselves and see, like, is this actually true? Like, is this really a room that I need to be afraid of? Mm-hmm. Or is this just the old story yep. that I grew up with? Yep. That's powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah. The t- type of stuff that you're doing is, like, something that I would love to get into as I progress in my career. Like, that's so cool that you do this. It's so needed. Um, yeah. We may we may be uh, those next uh, people of color at the next retreat. Please, so, yeah, I would love that. Yeah. yeah, but only if Luis has a lot of weird demands that go on his writer. On his writer, oh, yeah. For, fourth guy, ASAP Rocky. Right. There we exactly. go. Okay. ASAP yeah. Rocky <laughs> with the with the fashion style. Ooh, I like that. You know what I'm saying? Like ASAP Rocky was one of the first dudes to like 
really start talking about skincare in rap and like he was like very avant-garde fashion when dudes were like yo pretty flaco pretty yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. mfer yeah yeah he'd be <laughs> like yo why are you wearing why is that so long that's gay and asap rock was like nah man this is style and then now everyone's wearing his style shit so someone like that that's nice. a great pick but i also have to call you out i'm not surprised you picked somebody <laughs> from harlem bro Harlem world <laughs> <laughs> um no, I love it. Yeah, on his rider, he's probably gonna ask for like some stand-up time to start mm. off with to warm up the crowd. We got a is, talent show on which Saturday. Does, okay, there you go. Fire. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, please, we, we can make this work. Yeah, I'm gonna do a huge curveball. I'm gonna perform a solo with a flute. From Beautiful. You know what? I would have handed flute. I would have talked shit about that in the past, but now right? that I've seen Lizzo, yeah, oh, yeah, Lizzo's you can't hate. I mean, can't hate. Can't just hate next level. Yo, actually, we gotta start talking about uh, our the curvy dude movement. <laughs> curvy boys. Curvy boys. Curvy boys? Tell me about <laughs> it. Going from sad boys to curvy boys? <sighs> no, nah, sad boys are curvy boys. <laughs> no, Lizzo is doing great. Where's our curvy boy savior? I know. We don't have an equivalent. No. Mm. They're Lizzo. probably like a lineman. Like an offensive lineman. Okay. Keenan? No. Keenan Thompson? Keenan Thompson is a curvy boy. He is a curvy boy. We, we need him. We need him. We he need may him. be on, okay, the, yeah. on the Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, f- a fifth. A yeah. guest spot. Yeah. Keenan. We need a big ass man for this, man. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyone's better than the old presidents we have on the Rushmore anyway. True. True. Yeah. True. Um, well, this is great. I, I love it. Uh, I'm glad we could kind of round out some of the heavy topics with, with some of that. And honestly, I would... You guys can keep talking, but I need to bounce. Okay. See you, Luis. All right, Luis you has to bounce. Okay. You can cut this out. We will. Um, all right. So this is awesome. And... Great to meet you. Um, so I just want to. So let's bring it back to to some of your background, Andrew. You just give me like a little bit of how you kind of arrived at doing this professionally. Mm-hmm. I I remember when you were working with some of those tech startups in marketing. You were leading marketing teams, in fact, trying to get products into market. Um, and we all know that that is something very stressful. Um, so I want to hear number one. How did you arrive at wanting to get into the wellness space and particularly hypnotherapy as a career after doing tech? And then I want to talk after that about how tech kind of fuels some of the problems that people that cause people to seek wellness um, solutions. Mm. And then also some of the solutions that I'm seeing now are rooted in tech, which seems very weird to me. Yeah. Um, so for example, like those meditation apps or whatever, like, but those things still send you notifications like, hey, you haven't meditated in uh, five <laughs> minutes, you should probably open my app up again. Mm. Um, so first tell me about you and then let's talk about like how things have just progressed to like a weird place. Totally. Um, so my, my story is very similar to a lot of the clients that I work with in that um, for, for a while, I was, I was just climbing the ladder that society presented to me, uh-huh. right? So I, um, I, d- I did it in my own way. Uh, I had very strange and wild jobs at, at certain points, but um, really it was like, how can I get the salary? How can I just climb and get into a, a bigger, better position? And then once I was there, um, just kind of continually grow my salary, grow my responsibilities. And um, 
really without the support that I needed to to actually fill out that role. So one of the things that we have have lost in moving to more um, to a more startup based uh, startup focused economy is or freelance economy is like these training programs that used to that do exist within IBM mm-hmm. and these fortune 100 200 500 companies where it was like okay we're going to hold your hand and we're going to equip you with all the skills that you need mm-hmm. yep. and inside of the startup environment it's more so management is often treated like product or design or engineering um, and the the difference there is that you can cause severe trauma in somebody's life if you fuck up management. Yeah. And that the one person who has more impact, equal or more impact on your mental health is your boss. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so if that boss is a 28-year-old who just had an idea and people gave him money to make it happen, like he has the or she has the potential to really mess things up for people. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we're seeing this now with WeWork. Yeah. We're seeing this with Adam Newman, the CEO of WeWork, who former. Yeah. Former. Yep. Um, and anyway, so, so I, I worked in tech. My, my focus was on disruptive consumer electronics. Um, so I worked for a company called Boxy that did internet TV and sold to Samsung. And then I worked for another company called Canary that did, um, smart home security and another company called Spoken Layer that that does voice experiences on Alexa and Google Home, and um, at Canary, uh, I just had I had a really challenging situation come up, and I was frustrated with my boss, and I was frustrated with our uh, you know internal situation of being a crowdfunded product mm-hmm. with five thousand customers and no product yet. Right, so I'm managing the expectations of 5,000 people who all think this is going to be the end-all, be-all. Right. And we keep delaying and we keep you know, reducing the feature spec. And um, I, I finally hit a, hit a wall and I was depressed for like three months. And I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see my girlfriend. I didn't want to exercise. It was basically like survival mode every day of yeah. like, I just, I wake up. I check my email, I power through whatever's there, I go to work, I continue working, I come home, I eat something, I numb out with video games, and then I go to bed and I do the whole thing over and over and over again. And I recognize that cycle because depression runs in my family. And I was like, I got to do something. So I reached out to a psychologist and told him what was happening. And he said, I think you'd be well served to see this hypnotherapist. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I had no idea right. what that was, right. what to expect. Um, I'd only seen the hypnosis for entertainment shows that was right. like, bark like a dog, dance like a stripper. Yeah. Um, what up, McBroogie? What's up, Slam? And I go into this guy's office in New York, and I walk out, and I just feel relaxed. Hmm. And it was so new to yeah. feel relaxed as a New Yorker, <laughs> yeah. that I was like, whoa, what is this? Um, and then I went in the second time, and the next day I walked into work feeling like I'd taken off an 80-pound backpack of emotions. Wow. And rather than being, like, happy-go-lucky, I was just neutral. 
Yeah. Right. So if I needed to be angry, I could be angry. But if I needed to be joyful, or if if I could be joyful, I'd be joyful. And I remember writing my hypnotherapist Dan, and I was like, "What the fuck did you do to me? Right. Like, how was this even possible?" <laughs> mm-hmm. And two weeks later, I was fired for yep. being depressed for three months. And um, then two weeks later, I was in hypnotherapy training. And I totally fell in love with it. And it was, you know, it's, it's different. I would say it's, uh, for me, it feels like guided meditation with an agenda. Yeah. Right. So it's these different visualizations and exercises. And now I bring in a somatic and sometimes but a, with like a goal of addressing something. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So it's not, um, my experience with psychology and, and granted every psychologist is different and there's yeah. lots of different techniques in psychology. But I remember going in and I had to tell the guy all about my mom, all about my dad, all about my brother, all about my sister, all about my first girlfriend, my second girlfriend, um, you know, and, and it was like inventorying all of my trauma. Yeah. And there's a, there may be a place in time for that, but I found in hypnotherapy, everything was really present focused. That's interesting. And moving forward. So it was like, Cool. Because you could have already been over a lot of those things yeah. and not really needed to address them. And your problems were, were rooted in like your most recent experiences anyway. Exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. And so um, we call it change work or transformation work, which tends to be much more focused on like how do we create that change as quickly as possible in your life. And hypnotherapy, neuro-linguistic programming, um, coaching, there's all sorts of different pieces to this puzzle yeah. um, or different approaches. But um, that's how I got into wellness. And then hypnotherapy opened me up to uh, a bunch of different modalities or yeah. different ways of doing healing work. So I've done, I spent six months doing a shamanic breath work course last year. I spent seven months studying energy work this year. Wow. Um, I've spent two and a half years sitting in a men's group every week um, talking about emotions and going to retreats and practicing this somatic embodiment practice. And I've learned it's just like there's there's different strokes for different folks, yep. right? Yep. Everybody has their thing that that works for them. And sometimes it's through the mind and sometimes it's through the body and sometimes mm-hmm. it's through the emotions. Um, but ultimately, there's there's lots of different ways to work um, in wellness. I love it. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a much cleaner answer, actually, than some of the things that that I've been seeing. In ter- like, I think still working at like a big company day to day, the routine that you talk about that you can fall into is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes. You know, you, I think you just get used to it. Certain people do, um, but it's funny how now companies have a lot of wellness programs or initiatives. Sure. That like are just so like surface level and band aids. To me, it's and I mean I, I hate to like say this, but it, it's a lot of it's very similar to say like a diversity initiative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh well, we are gonna speak at this. Con- we're gonna sponsor this conference, and that should like check the box. Like, right? No, dude. Like, <laughs> that's not the way this more, works. Right. There's a lot more uh, that needs to be done, and so you know, with this, and maybe this is still new, um, but you know, even you know, at, at the company I work for, 
they're like, we have this, we're rolling out this big wellness initiative. So download this free app mm-hmm. that has guided meditation, yoga instructions, all video stuff you can access for free, which actually is like pretty useful. Like, like just not even thinking through it. It's like, cool, I get that for free. I don't have to pay, pay, for, it. pay yeah. for it. Cool. But like, that's the solution. And what's weird to me is that like, your problem started through tech. A lot of people's issues are because they are always connected and can't disconnect. And yet- Raise your your hand out there if you sleep with your phone and your computer next to you and you you like go to bed doing email and you wake up and email is the first thing that you do, right? I'm sure like 90% of people are raising their hands. And then it's like, so download this app that's gonna alert me that like, hey man, you uh, you haven't meditated in like a day. You should probably open me up and do that again. Like. It's just like, it it just kind of weirds me out that like tech is the problem and then now it's the solution. It's like this vicious cycle. Um, Do you view that as a useful tool, these apps? Or do you think it's something that like is not a genuinely good thing to do? Or maybe for some people it is like, what what are your feelings on that? Well, I think you got to meet people where they're at. Yeah. Right. And, And what what it would really take to create wellness is a fundamental restructuring of the economy, of our democracy, of the way that we as a society and a culture work. Yeah. Right? Um, and that's just not possible. Right. In, in the certain, in, in certainly in the work place, given some of the places that we work with. And, and look, some of those companies pay my bills. Right, right. They pay me to come and lead a workshop and and talk to them and and uh, my goal is to meet their employees where they're at. Um, do I? It is it is a band aid. Yeah. Right. It's like if if the if we really wanted to solve the problem, we would change way more than just like what you do for an hour a week. Yeah. We would look at how much time are you spending at work. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, how clear are you on what your success metrics are? Um, how does your boss treat you? How emotional can you be at work? Is there time to process emotions? Interesting. Like, you know, the thing, you brought up something a minute ago. Oh, of, of DNI, right? Yeah. Diversity and inclusion training. Sure. Right? So what we're talking about is an implicit bias Okay. That yep. has bombarded you, right? Like these stereotypes and cliches and patterns have bombarded you for decades of your life. Yeah. And now somebody coming in and telling you, here's the definition of privilege. Right. And here's a checklist so you can identify where you feel privileged. Right. And we're going to make you feel uncomfortable <coughs> for this right. next 30 minutes. Unconscious bias. Right. Yeah, all that. All yeah. of it, yeah. right? How on earth is that supposed to compete with decades of programming? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, and everybody will tell you it doesn't. Yeah. People actually skip those trainings because it's like it's not useful. Right. Yeah. And, and I went to a, a DNI training um, a couple of months ago. And right, so for me, all of that stuff, all of that programming lives in the emotion and it lives in the body. Okay. Right. And in a corporate training and in a corporate environment, Everybody has to feel safe. Right. Right. Everybody has to feel like, ooh, I'm okay. 
ooh, maybe that's a little uncomfortable. Like, the shit that I do in my men's group is guys weeping on the ground. Yeah. And hitting pillows and screaming into them and, like, feeling all of the emotion that's there. That's the level that we need to start working at. Yeah. And that's the level where we can release the trauma and start to reprogram things. And the people who are doing these trainings are just doing the best that they can within the environment and the constraints. That makes sense. Of corporate America. It's a start. Right? Yeah. Because if you walk into a training and you're not ready for it, and somebody asks you to, to um, approach like your childhood abuser. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like, whoa. It's almost adding more trauma to that experience. Exactly. Yeah. Right? It's not a safe space for that. Yeah. And so we got to meet people where we're at. And we also need to start thinking about how do we restructure work yeah. so that we're not causing more trauma. Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that managers are trained? Um, how do we make sure that people get the support that they need? Like my ideal scenario is that work becomes a happy place. Yeah. Right. Work is the place where you go and you can feel safe. And if something comes up, there's a dedicated resource um, almost like a school counselor yeah, that you can go to and kind of process that stuff. And maybe there's also a group within the organization that you meet with for emotional support and like getting feedback and, and breaking out of your own mental prison. Um, the challenge for a lot of this stuff is most people don't want to work in these jobs. Yeah. Right? They're there for the paycheck and they're there because society has programmed them to want the title and want the salary and the prestige. And as soon as you start helping them feel vital and well, they go, man, this shit's killing me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got to get out of here. Yeah. Right? So there's this like interesting line that... That's funny. ...that we have to walk. And some of the top companies are actually um, planning for this. Yeah. Like some of the leaders in the HR space are like, we know we're only going to get... 20-somethings for three years. Interesting. So let's make those the best three years we can and help them transition out into something better so that they look back and they go, man, that was amazing. Right. Right. And those are some of the progressive viewpoints that I'm seeing. Wow. Um, I forget who, who, which company it is. I wish I could give them more credit. Um, But... But yeah, I think we have to, to rethink the whole structure and also be cognizant of meeting people where they're at. I love it. Yeah. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, so one... And let, me, let me actually ask you. Yeah. What, what has helped you as a new dad, yeah. as a corporate employee, like yeah. as somebody who's, you know, you're married? Like... I think, uh, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question because there's a lot of... There's a lot that you experienced. There's a lot that I experienced, um, you know, working at the time. Like when I found out I was going to have a kid, I was working on a pretty like high stress account. And I think that initially my coping mechanism was just to like throw myself at work. Mm. Um, but I realized I had to kind of like think through a lot of these things. And so for me... It was reading more books about becoming a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I, it was weird, like 
when when Jenea, when my wife was pregnant, I feel like I uh, and one of the books actually talked about this. It's like you're gonna feel a lot closer to your dad and want to talk to him more. <laughs> Luckily, like my dad is still around, and like I'm very close with him. I have a great relationship with and him. And amazing, yeah. He's right. Shout so, out, Poppy. Yeah. So um, I feel like I talked more to my dad during that time to just tell him things like, "Did you ever feel like this?" Mm-hmm. Or like, "I'm feeling like I'm feeling." just a little like anxious for no reason or like I'm, I'm feeling nostalgic or I'm, you know, whatever. He's like, yeah, you know, that'll happen or just wait. And we would talk about a lot of things. Just wait till the baby comes and this is what's going to happen and all these things. And so I found a lot of, I'm very lucky that I was able to go to him as a resource. Um, because I, it gave me a lot of just peace of mind that things are going to be fine. Like even if I was stressing about certain things that maybe were irrational or whatever, what was um, what was something you you were stressing about that was totally irrational? Oh God, I think like um, so immediately my first thoughts were like I'm gonna have a kid. So what was it like for me growing up? I have mm. very good memories, but I grew up in like the suburbs of Chicago, like in Northbrook, Illinois. Like nothing ever bad happened there. It was like <laughs> the safest place. And then I started thinking like, oh shit. Like, I'm about to have a kid in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like, we live in Brooklyn. Like, the lifestyle is just so different. Yeah. And so I started thinking about... Which part of Brooklyn do you live in? We live in Park Slope. Park Slope, Yeah, okay. we live in Park Slope. Let's just be real. Which here. is very, Set like, kid-friendly. It's kid-friendly. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know how to navigate, like, this environment for a kid. Mm. And so I had to learn a lot of things. Park Slope makes it very easy. There's a lot of things that are free. And we talked about like drag queens earlier. They have a drag queen story time at the library. Yes. They have like free playtime for kids. They have kid yoga at the Park Slope library. Like all these things are just fantastic. God bless Brooklyn. I know. But how do, I can't shield if I take, you know, my kid on the subway, like there's a lot of random crazy stuff he's going to be exposed to earlier than kids that like me that grew up in like a sheltered suburban, suburban like yeah. life um not the right kind of showtime exactly yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i love me some showtime yeah. but uh yeah, yeah. but it's, it's just things like that that are kind of like it's like it's being irrational about worrying about things that i can't control that i don't know about but like right now you know my son turned two at the end of september and like i'm so glad like I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's things like that where it's like, why are you even worrying about those things? Um, but you start thinking through all these different, you want to like control and protect him and your family. And so you start thinking about these these things and situations that you can't control or situations that might come up yeah. that won't even happen. Um, and sometimes you just need somebody to tell you like, it's going to be, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and a lot of parenting is like figuring it out as you go. There's not a rule book for it, um, other than like my parents who are the best. So I'm lucky to go to them as like a resource. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I think I think a lot of it was just going to people for information. Yeah. So it sounds like I would be perfect for some of these group. Yeah, man. <laughs> these group uh, situations because just like learning from other people is and hearing their perspectives and what oh, they've gone so through is healthy. just like such an easy way to connect. Yeah. So. Um, and it's so it's so nice to just be like you worry about that too. Right. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
So, you know, one thing that we were talking about, and this is, this is a common theme that we talk about on the Mijos podcast is, is masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, from a Latino perspective, it's something interesting because as Luis was talking about, every guy's programmed a certain way. I think we've all, we all understand what that means. But um, we're trying to identify kind of what some of those bad things are and maybe try to memorialize what good things sh- we should be doing to redefine what the modern man should look like. Mm. And so, especially as like Latinos, Luis and I joke all the time about the machismo thing, about like you have, you know, like you're only crying if you're like, you know, half a bottle deep in some tequila and whatever, your tío <laughs> makes fun of you and you know, all that stuff. Um, but so one thing we talk about is um, the rituals that we understand to be true to becoming a man. Mm. And a lot of them are really unhealthy. And like, especially growing up in Texas, it's like getting drunk on a Friday night and how many, you know, shots of whiskey can you take? Yeah. How many girls can you, you can you hook up with? All this risky behavior associated with becoming a man. Yeah. Um, can you help identify like what, and maybe things that you know is true or that you've gone through, what are some of these like rituals to becoming a man that you know to be toxic and that you just like want to go away? Hmm. Rituals to becoming a man. I mean, yeah, you identified a couple of, of them and this is actually a big critique of Western culture is that there are no, there is no ritual like they have in in a lot of indigenous tribes of like transitioning a boy into a man uh-huh right so the the jewish people have bar mitzvahs um but there is no kind of symbol for a man like there is for a woman when she gets her period yeah right and yeah you you quoted you know like having sex uh, yep. getting wasted yep. um i would say like what else have, I mean, if we're if we're including getting into a fight, yeah, getting like into you know a what fight. I mean is it like is that are those the the pillars of like becoming a man of manhood? You know what I mean, like the way that we understand them. I, I think certainly those like maybe they weren't spoken truths, but they were like I, I just knew them inherently to mm. be true. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't know if you agree with me. But I mean, there's certainly the what's coming up for me is just the idea of like those are massive milestones. Yes. Right. So the the first time that you smoke weed, the first time you drink, yeah. the first time you have sex, the first time you vote. Yep. The first time you live on your own. Yeah. The first time you live with a partner. The first time you have a kid. You know, like these are beautiful. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> some of them beautiful are beautiful milestones. Milestones. Yeah. For. Um, in the life of a man, I think there's there's definitely the opportunity for ritual in a in a more conscious way, um, and really creating ritual for your son mm-hmm. um, as he transitions into a man, and um, that might look like a camping trip. Yep, it might look like I mean for me, and the Everyman Group. Yeah, was a was a major is a major ritual that I engage with every week. 
that brings me back into my power mm-hmm. and back into the, the fullness of who I am. Um, I've done a couple, I've now done two, two or three bachelor parties Okay. that have been conscious. Interesting. Um, so what that looks like is guys, you know, like all my favorite guys and we, I got married in Scotland where my family's all from and we rented out this old church and we were, it was kind of home base for the week. And so we were going out to castles. We were going out to see live music. Um, there was a little bit of drinking, but not to like get drunk. Right. right? It was just kind of enjoying, enjoying the drink, uh, as they would say in Scotland. And, uh, and then part of it was also sitting in circle with these men who were so close to me and hearing what they appreciate about me. And asking me, you know, what do I love about my wife? Um, what do I want to let go of from the past? What am I going to build in the future? Um, where am I right now? Like, what do I? What am I asking of my community? What am I asking of myself? Mm-hmm. And there's a real, uh, there's such a real beauty when men get together and are vulnerable with each other, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I find that people in general, and especially men, are hungry for in meaningful dialogue. Yeah. Right? And what these rituals do for me is it's a place and a container for meaningful dialogue um, in my life. And I think there's also, you know, I, I did an expedition with every man where we go off into Yellowstone and we hike through the park for four days and we don't see anybody else. And I hiked with um, former Green Berets and a couple of civilians like myself. And we did 25 miles over four days. And we did a mile in elevation and back down. And then another, I think another mile up and back down. And um, those kind of feats where we're tested. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. that was awesome. For me, I came off that feeling like, oh my God, I can do anything. That sounds like a huge milestone. Yeah. 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 It was a beautiful milestone doing a, doing a Temescal or like sweat lodge afterwards and finding, I find there's this, maybe this is it. Like I think of rituals, anything that brings you back into the present moment and back into the bigger picture. Okay. Right. So prayer can be a ritual Mm -hmm. that, that centers you and brings you back into the bigger picture. But during this, this sweat lodge ceremony, um, I remember feeling like there was a piece of me, the observer, that could like retreat into a part of my body or into a part of the room where it was safe and it could just watch what my body was doing mm-hmm. and know that my body was safe, right? Wow. And I think the best rituals like take us to that place of like, look what you can do. Yeah. Look what you can endure. Look what you can create. Yeah. Right? And they bring us into that powerful aspect of ourselves. And, and sometimes work is like that. Yeah. Right? Sometimes it's, it's this beautiful thing where you, you like sprint and you make shit happen and you pull a couple all-nighters and, and you get to the end and you're like, wow. Yep. Like, I didn't even know that we could do that. <laughs> right? For sure. And, um, and I think there's, there's way more opportunities for us to bring ritual into our daily lives through, through prayer, through yep. meditation, through community, um, all these different things. I love it. One, one like, 
theme that kind of popped into my head when you were talking about the group circle before your wedding in Scotland. Yeah. Is it like you're almost you're almost training your 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 friends, your confidants to help each other and help you heal. Like you're almost do you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. It's, it's not like you really need to go see a psychologist, like to your point earlier, right? But it's um, the way you're almost training them through open communication how to support each other and help each other really at any given moment that you're together, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and so, like, maybe going on that, we can do one more top four, one more Loteria. Sure. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. And one, one thing I just Go want ahead. to add yeah. is, is absolutely that's true. Yeah. Um, and it's not uncommon for me to grab one of the guys from Everyman and just be like, hey, man, I got to process something for 10 minutes. Can you, like, can you do this with me? That's incredible resource. Like, yeah. just having that as, like, a resource is incredible. It's awesome. And it's like a total reset for my nervous system and my brain. Yeah. And I'm sure that the, like, just that shorthand communication, you probably don't even need to say that much for them to understand what yeah. you're going, what you're saying, what you're going through, like, what the problem is. Exactly. That's, that's almost, like, the value you can put on that is, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Loteria, Loteria. dos. I just want to, like, leave, have, like, kind of like a, a leave behind mm. uh, for any listeners to take away. Um, just something kind of tangible. So are there any just tips Top four tips that you can leave um, our listeners with for just how to lead a healthier lifestyle. I think we've touched on a lot of things, and it's fine to like repeat them. Yeah. Um, but maybe just like top four things people can start doing today to feel better. Sure. Um, number one is welcome all of you, right? So welcome the shadow, welcome the light. Welcome the parts of yourself that you push down. Welcome the sadness. Welcome the anger. Welcome the shame, the disgust. As long as you're pushing that stuff away, it's not going to heal. Mm-hmm. right? So welcome all of that and start to have a dialogue with those parts of you. And um, I do an exercise with my clients around naming their different parts. Right, and you heard me on the on the Dodie podcast, yeah. on the Everyman podcast, where I have a gay German man inside yeah. of me named Dieter, Dieter. Yeah. <laughs> who's like joyful and effusive. I have a, a cowboy in me. I have a Scotsman in me. Um, so welcome all of those things, all of those different parts of who you are into the conversation. Um, two is get help. Right, yep. like there's plenty of resources. There's Everyman. There's psychologists. There's therapists. There's um, you know, church groups, yep. there's so much support out there. There's apps, there's talk space, there's um, meditation, you know, just like, just know that it's good to ask for help. It's like, you know, taking you to the gym and yep. making you stronger. Um, lastly, or thirdly, there's a, a Stanford behavioral design professor named BJ Fogg who has a program called Tiny Habits. Okay. Um, it's one of the most insightful and easy to understand programs that I've ever seen about how we as humans make habits and um, how we can design our behavior. Right? So if you're not doing something and you want to start, it's a great way to learn that. Or if you're doing something and you want to stop mm. and you want to change it, yeah, this is a good place to start. Um, and lastly, uh, whew compassion 
Love that. Just love that. Just like you know, the way that I explain it is that so often we are not interacting with the people in front of us. We're interacting with a caricature of them, and then we're also interacting with a bunch of people behind them from our past. And so when somebody is being uh, difficult or, you know, aggressive, angry, sad, falling apart, whatever it is, at some because of something you've done or said, chances are it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And so having compassion, and that's one of the, the skills that I work on with my coaching clients, is just like, how can you hold space for that person and let them empty all of that shit out and recognize it has nothing to do with you and then be there to like hold that part of them that was hurt. Yeah. Wow. That's super powerful. Yeah. Um, this has been fantastic, Andrew. Uh, I always love talking to you, so hope to have you on again to maybe talk about this um, you know, talk about this in more depth or as things progress. Absolutely. Um, but thank you so much, man. Um, and, uh, can I give a quick, a please quick do what you need out. to do. Yeah. Um, so one, uh, if you're interested in everyman, everyman.com, um, super simple, you can sign up and find a group. You can start a group. We provide all the resources for free. Um, if you want to come on our retreat, come to our open source, get a taste of this. Um, it's really community and connection. It's the yeah. ability to connect with yourselves and, and connect with the men around you. Um, I do personal hypnotherapy appointments and coaching. I really love working with um, people who are who need to get plugged in. Yeah, I, I see this in a lot of thirty and forty somethings. Is people have forgotten who they are. They've forgotten how to live vital lives. So I help coach people in that regard, and then I also am um, am working towards a program in helping guys show up and support women who have been uh, survivors of sexual abuse. Mm. So if that's you, um, whether you need to plug in or whether you need that support, like come find me at subconsciousway.com. You can email me there. You can schedule a free consult, and I would love to hear more. Victor, I freaking love you. (laughs) I love you too, man. You know Um, that. Yeah, it's uh, it's been wonderful to be on this wild ride, to have you in New York. I actually... Uh, he stayed with me for three months <laughs> when he first moved to New York. It's true. Which is one of my favorite uh, favorite memories. And I'm so uh, inspired by how far you've come and being Thank a you. dad and Likewise. climbing the ranks here. Likewise. All right, Andrew. With that, we'll sign off. And uh, until next time, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find the Mijos anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode.